0: Welcome to Just The Taste. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is entrepreneur, Diana Lovett. Diana is founder of Coca Mama, formerly CSA Coco. After graduating from Yale and Cambridge, Diana was director of regional and international campaigns for Keep a Child Alive, a nonprofit organization that provides healthcare, housing, and support services the HIV AIDS-affected communities in Africa and India. She then was director of policy and research for the Christie Company, a pioneer in affordable mixed-use development in Africa. For the past about six years as founder, she has guided Sisei Cocoa Company, a business that imports fair trade organic cocoa from a farmer's cooperative in the Dominican Republic to use in delicious, ready-to-eat brownie thins and gourmet baking and hot cocoa mixes. We look forward to learning more about that journey from Diana. Diana, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So,
0: so we'll, we'll we'll go back here as far as you would like, but it's pretty clear your credentials for a life dedicated to helping others are, are of course, kind of impeccable, and your journey admirable. So, I I go out on a limb and suggest that you would be successful in whatever path you chose. Uh, but you've chosen a, a somewhat somewhat unique one um, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, managing a business that is, is wildly successful now. But it's been quite a journey. So take us on that journey and, and kind of what, what led you to where you are today?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I will take you back quite a few years now. So, um, you know, people ask me about the inspiration for my company, and it's really rooted in my passion for sustainable development. And I'll unpack what that means to me, but um, I would say the very, my very first consciousness um, of kind of social injustice came when I was in elementary school. Um, I went to a Quaker school and we did a curriculum on, um, it was called Facing History in Ourselves. And we learned about the civil rights movement and the struggle against apartheid in South Africa. And that really sparked my interest, um, you know, in South Africa and really understanding what was going on there. It seemed so clear to me it was literally black versus white. So um, after I graduated from high school, I convinced my parents to let me take a year off and backpack through sub-Saharan Africa. As a parent now, I'm sort of um, can't believe they let me do that, but I'm enormously grateful for the experience. So I um, took six months. And I traveled around Zimbabwe and South Africa and Namibia and Botswana, and I loved being there. Um, I loved getting to see and experience um, different cultures, try new food, hear different languages. Um, But I really felt like I was a tourist and an outsider, and I wanted to go back in a more authentic capacity where I wasn't just taking pictures and staying in hostels and going to tourist sites. So... After my freshman and sophomore year in college, um, I applied to do a language program in South Africa um, to study Zulu, which is um, one of the indigenous languages there, and then also to be an exchange student in South Africa. So I did a Zulu language program, um, and then I was an exchange student. And as part of my um, study abroad classes, I um, I did social work, and I got an assignment at the Durban Children's Home, which is in Durban, South Africa. And this was the really early days of the AIDS pandemic. Um, so there was three children that were brought into this children's home, and they were babies, and they were all sick and basically dying. And as a young person, I was incensed and upset and shocked and horrified. And I remember asking the people there, what are we going to do to help these kids? And they said, we're going to give them vitamins, love, and palliative care. And I was like, I'm from America. Magic Johnson is fine. I know we can do something about this. So I pledged to myself to figure out a way to be part of the solution. Um, so I finished college and graduate school, and I moved to New York to work for Alicia Keys at our organization called Keep a Child Alive, which um, ultimately ended up buying a building in Durban and turning it into an AIDS treatment center. Um, And that was a really amazing experience for me, very full circle and felt like I was, you know, contributing to what I wanted to be contributing to and really loved the type of work that I was doing. But I was always searching for a way to make it sort of scalable and sustainable um, because I was very nervous about being reliant on donor funding um, for something so important as life-saving medicine. So I was visiting um, one of my best friends, the guy who introduced me to my husband in Ghana. And, um, you know, it's like, what do you have going on in Ghana? And he said, well, we have the wonderful beaches, we have, you know, the rainforest, and of course there's cocoa. So I was like, wait, stop, what? I want to go see where, you know, I have a huge sweet tooth, I'd love to see where cocoa comes from. So um, I visited some cocoa farms and, you know, saw the conditions that the cocoa farmers were living in, and they live in abject poverty. And this is something that, you know, I as a U.S. consumer love, chocolate in all its forms. And I sort of put a bunch of puzzle pieces together. I thought, you know, I think, you know, wonderful, delightful products can be a mechanism through which we include more people in the global supply chain and that our purchasing power can be a lever for social good. And the type of work that I was doing at Keep a Child Alive is something that we can do through a for-profit. So, I traveled the world looking for the best cocoa, um, and I found a cooperative in the Dominican Republic called Sundapo. Um, and I met the president of it and many of the members, and um, you know, tasted their delicious cocoa, and decided to kind of put all of my um, experience and my passions together into a company um, called Fise Cocoa. And I launched that in the fall of 2012. So that's kind of the long-winded version of the inspiration for the business, but um, that's really where it all came from. Um, and, you know, what motivates me today is, um, you know, how our purchases of cocoa and now other ingredients are helping these communities um, that um, to do critical development projects such as putting in clean drinking water, putting in bathrooms, paving roads, and, um, it's all really locally needs driven. So, um, that was my inspiration for the business and what really drives my passion, um, every day.
0: Wow. So (laughs) I have a lot of questions.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to wait for the book or the documentary to come out, I think, to, uh, (laughs) to answer all my questions along the way. Amazing. Amazing journey. Um, and uh, incredible that it comes back to I, I could just picture you on the couch saying mom dad i have an idea uh thank you for for getting me to this point in life i'm whatever 17 years old a female yeah. and i'm going to go backpack uh through africa
1: i know i'm still i mean i have two children now and uh, my oldest is 6 and i like to think that i would be that cyclist parent that you know listens to and facilitates my child's dream but it's um you know, it's hard to picture at this particular time, especially with them being so little, but I'm enormously grateful that was, you know, one of the most formative experiences of my life.
0: Amazing. Um, so, yeah, it, so this was pretty, pretty overwhelming. But let, let's go, let's go uh, back to the farmers and their communities. So, yeah, um, just specifically, uh, how does the company support farmers in their communities? Uh, I, I yeah. I can understand uh, where they they sit in the supply chain, if you will, but uh, I'm sure that you might have a little bit more to to share in terms of details on how how uh, you know a purchase of your product directly supports them.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. So when I started my business, I was obviously very focused on the cocoa, and that is the kind of core signature ingredient that ties all of our current products together. And my vision was always to use our purchasing power. So we pay a premium Um, every time we buy cocoa, we pay above market um, prices to the cooperative. Um, That money then goes um, into a pool and a portion of it goes to um, community development projects. And then a portion of it goes directly back to the farmers and they decide what they want to do um, with that premium. So they built the farmers at Son built a community center, which is not something um I think that, you know, a Western aid organization would have prioritized. They would have looked at, you know, some other kind of more basic needs. But it's been an incredibly important part of the community. They hold adult literacy classes there, they'll do weddings. Um it's really a gathering place for the community. And to me, coming out of, you know, um, the nonprofit and uh, kind of global development community, I really wanted to be a part of something that was very locally needs driven. Um, So it wasn't Western donors saying, I know, I think you guys need wells or I think you need a clinic. It was really, um, we're a partner and, you know, we're in business together and then the community development projects are, um, you know, decided and implemented locally. So you also don't have to worry about, you know, a part, Breaking or um, you know, needing kind of specialized knowledge or or equipment. So um, that's really the the kind of idea and inspiration for the business. Now that we've gotten a little bit bigger, we've been able to kind of ladder back down our supply chain with other ingredients and source that directly from small scale farmers as well. So our vanilla bean comes from um, you know small scale farmers in Madagascar, in northern Madagascar. So we're trying to make all of our ingredient sourcing as impactful as possible um and that's really the vision
0: mm. and and you know as you to get perhaps a, a a dash personal here i i yeah did you ever think you know people have been making um you know cocoa related products chocolate for years and you know, you have Nestle. I just use an example comes to mind yeah. as a kind of proverbial five hundred pound gorilla. Yeah. And did you ever think, you know, this is crazy? This is not, you know, it's not a new market per se. Obviously, you're bringing social entrepreneurship uh, to the marketplace and, and and giving consumers a choice. Um, but did you ever have any doubts? And and how did you overcome some of those doubts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think any um, you know entrepreneur has sort of um a healthy dose of um self confidence and moxie and a little bit of believing in something that's that's not there um because any rational person would tell you not to start your own you know it's it's really risky. So there's always a lot of a lot of good reasons um not to do it. But I think um, you know, for myself and other entrepreneurs we're either so passionate about our product or our vision um, that um, it's sort of this in, enormous drive that kind of overcomes you um, and, you know, propels, propels you forward. So, of course, um, you know, there's been, I say, you know, adversity and challenges and, you know, production issues, manufacturing issues, financing issues, you mm-hmm. know, team issues, you, know, you name it, small businesses are... Um, you know, are are always kind of firefighting. Um, And I would say, you know, for me personally, I started my business um, when I had kids. So I literally launched my company when I was pregnant with my first child. Um, I was working on filling in forms for my distributor while I was in labor with my first kid. So everyone's like, that's so crazy. How did you do both? But for me, that's been what's actually kept, helped keep me balanced and motivated So when I come home at night from work, I take my cell phone and I zip it into the top pocket in my backpack, literally zip it in there. I put it on silent and zip it in there. And I have an hour and a half of time with my kids where we're making dinner. We have family dinner. um, We have, you know, traditions at the dinner table. I do bedtime routine with them and then I get some time with my husband. And it really doesn't matter what happened at work that day. It's a joyful restorative, happy, um, you know, moment and, and couple of hours for me and, you know, that helps keep me, um, you know, more balanced, I think, um, and able to face challenges when they come, um, because that's a really, really, um, strong, strong kind of base of support and touchstone that I get to get renewed from, uh, on a daily basis.
0: mm mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you're clearly a, a bold individual <laughs> dating back to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to high school there. Uh, and, and, you know, I'd imagine quite fierce too. And you've been really transparent. So I want to ask one more question that, because um, we've had some, some social entrepreneurs on, but I've never quite been able to ask this, which is, um, you know, n- knowing that you need to make a living, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're, um, you're not a nonprofit, I guess is the same. Yeah. And yet, uh, you're clearly obviously driven by, uh, you know, something far, far, far deeper than than financial motivation. H- how do you, you know, obviously we're not asking you to disclose income or anything like that, but h- how do you balance um, those two, I, I guess, ideas that, that must come in conflict with each other at some point, right? Yeah. You, you yeah. have to make decisions about yourself, your team uh, yeah. you know, I, maybe CapEx investment or, or whatever. Um, how yeah. do you balance that knowing that what you're real, that you're at, you're truly mission driven, but you, you have a, um, Oh boy, I'm trying to find the right word. A right. I suppose to also be a for-profit business. Yeah. How, how, how do you get through that dichotomy? Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so I, didn't start my business until I got married and I say that because um you know I think it's important to acknowledge um my own privilege and you know I I wanted to start my business before that but I didn't feel like I had the financial security um you know or the or I guess confidence to do it and I started my business and I knew I wasn't going to make very much money in the first couple of years and I was supported in every way by my husband, and I think it's really important to talk about that because I have people all the time, you know, I speak at events or, um, you know, do press, and people ask me, they're like, oh, how did you start your business, and, you know, what advice do you have for me, and I always ask them, I'm like, what is your, you know, safety net, or what is your support network, because it needs to be really strong, um, you know, starting a business is hard in every way, so I had Financial support, I had a roof over my head, you know, my livelihood, I wasn't dependent on, you know, the income I could take out of my business in the first couple of years. So I do draw a salary from it. It's certainly below market wages, but um, I think that's a really important question. And I like to talk about, you know, my privileged position because I don't want. People to think like, oh gosh, it's so easy, and I can just do that, and you know, I'll magically make a, you know, ton of money the first year in business. It, it wasn't like that for me at all, and um, and I'm incredibly fortunate that I'm able to do something that I'm so passionate about um, and still have a roof over my head. Because I think oftentimes those things can be a dichotomy.
0: Hmm. That's an important message to share. There, um, so t- turning to the to the, the the brand a little bit, I understand yeah. that you're you're I think right in the midst now of going through a bit of a rebrand from c Coco Coco uh, to Coco Mama. so so walk <laughs> us through walk us through the reasoning uh, of that and what you're hoping to accomplish.
1: Yeah, so um we were very, very lucky to be a part of an incubator um and can I mention the name of it? Of course, okay, yeah. So we were in the inaugural class of the Giovanni Food Incubator. Um, and this is a new program. It's run out of Chibani yogurt, and it is um a grant, so literally a donation from Giovanni to companies, and then ours was six months of mentorship and support. And I was always really inspired by what Hamdi, the founder of Giovanni, had created. You know, he came to this country from Turkey, created the number one Greek yogurt brand, you know, and 30% of his workforce are refugees. Um, he gives back a lot to the local communities and invests a lot in rural development. So I'd always seen him as sort of um, a big inspiration for someone coming out of the, you know, packaged natural food world um, and really building a business with integrity and purpose. So I was kind of following along and applied for the first class and was lucky enough to get in. And while we were a part of this program, you know, we got access to really everyone within Giovanni, their leadership team, um, including their chief marketing officer, this sort of visionary, creative guy named Leland Bashmeyer. And he came and gave us, a, you know, a talk on brand and the importance of brand and um, how critical it is, you know, in natural food and, and beverage. And it really, really landed with me. And I thought... You know, I have delicious products and a great mission, but I don't feel like my brand is really accessible to people. We had a name that, you know, had the, an accent, a goo, which no one could spell or pronounce and wouldn't even go <laughs> properly into a lot of systems. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I have to have something that is, you know, really, really appealing, easy to say and pronounce and memorable. And um, and I don't, I don't want something that alienates people that they're afraid to say. So... You know, with Leland's help and you know, with kind of the support and encouragement of Giovanni, we i would never worked with a creative agency before. I'd always, you know, just kind of done everything on our own. Um, we found a great agency um in Nashville who'd helped other brands to rebrand. And, you know, they Leland looked at every single round. He read my creative brief and really helped us, you know, figure out the best name for our company that, you know, encapsulated our values. Was unique, ownable, spoke to our mission, um, and then helped me translate my vision for my company into a really unique, ownable, wonderful um, visual identity. So that process all unfolded um, this spring. We printed packaging, and we're in production on Kokomama products um, as we speak, and they'll be shipping out July twelfth. We're switching over our social and our website um, in July and August, so. We're in this kind of transition phase, um which is scary and exciting because I've spent you know six years building a brand and now we're changing it. but um, I know from um you know being at Giovanni the real importance of brand, and I'm just I'm so excited to have our new brand out there
0: awesome and and I think I'd like to applaud you for once again being bold throwing that I think the proverbial baby out there. Um, but by doing it, I'm sure it's scary. How did, how did retailers respond when you informed them of this change?
1: Yeah. So we actually included some of our larger, we have two big, um, retailers in the process. Um, it Mm -hmm. felt like too big of a decision to kind of, um, you know, just go ahead with what I liked or what the team liked. So, We brought in some really, you know, some of our important stakeholders, including some of our retailers, consumers, um, mentors, advisors, into the process. Um, So we got really good buy-in because they were obviously a part of it. So um, that was something I think we did well about this process.
0: Awesome. So we're at the point where usually I like to, to inform our listeners where they can find you, though I find myself not sure social following to uh, to direct them to because uh you're you're in the midst here with Cisei Coco. Yeah.
1: So we uh, still um, are all, we're using all Cisei, so they can find us at Cisei Coco on Instagram and Facebook and our website is com spelled C I S S E. And um, you know, all of our information about the rebrand um will kind of be pushed out through those channels. So that's the best um, place to find us uh, right now.
0: Excellent, and the retailers where you could be found as well.
1: Yeah, um, so in select uh, Target stores, um, in Publix, um, Stop and Shop, Hannaford, and then we have a great detailed store locator on our website um, as well, so you can find the store that's closest to you.
0: Super, and and uh, people can order online as well, correct?
1: Yep, they can order online through Amazon as well.
0: Awesome. Well, Diane, I want to thank you for joining us, uh, sharing a remark. Still, um, if you certainly, I believe bringing a great product to the market, but giving consumers a choice as well—you uh, know, beyond taste—so um, that they can decide. You know, it's it's a little bit cliche to say, but vote for their dollars and and to be able to know and understand that they're supporting uh, communities that you have pretty much, I would say, hand selected uh, as as uh, you know being. Uh, capable of not only producing a great product that that is the basis of your uh end product but uh you know d- trusting that the the money is also going to great causes as well, whether directly to the farmers or as you said to the to the cooperatives to build um, you know projects for the communities as well so um I want to thank you for joining us and wish you the best of luck and as you continue on this upward trajectory and growth uh I suspect that you'll find yourself involved in something else as well that can, that can help, uh, you know, better the world as well. Um, Whether it's Coco Mama or, or whatever's next. Um,
1: Great. Well, an absolute pleasure to be with you. Um, Thank you so much for reaching out to me and for helping me to share my story.
0: You're welcome. Thanks again, Diana. Best of luck.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us on Just a Taste, a Chef's Best Production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. You can always visit us at chefsbest.com to learn more.